0: We're going uh, to dive in to start with in uh, the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 21. He was like, 1 Chronicles 21, what's that? So, 1 Chronicles, chapter 21, but before we get into the, the story that we're going to start with, I just want to tell you that what I'm going to preach about this morning uh, is the subject or the topic of sacrifice. Sacrifice. Now, I feel it necessary to say, as I begin to unpack this topic and to really speak to you from the word of God, that this is one of those kinds of topics that can rub on you a little bit. It's a challenging thing to approach the scriptures and to see what the Bible really says about sacrificial living. Uh, it can be very challenging to us. The word of God, how many know that the word of God, as it reveals truth to us, it encourages, but it also has a way of confronting and convicting us on things at times as well, right? So the word of God is like a two-edged sword. It's sharp, it's penetrable. It can encourage us and exhort us, but it can also confront and convict us on things. And the subject of sacrifice, I know for me, is one that is particularly sometimes challenging and difficult because in a lot of ways, guys, what this does is it comes almost like in a head-on collision with a lot of what the modern mindset or thinking in our culture is today. It just sort of, you know, it's one thing when you have a couple little fender benders with your car. My sister-in-law, Lisa, she's, she has a few fender benders from now and then, right? Never a big deal. little scratch here, a little scratch there. Head-on collisions, though, have a way of jarring us sometimes. And, and what the Bible says about sacrifice has a lot of, to me, it's almost like it runs head-on and collides with and, and just confronts what a lot of our modern culture uh, pervading mentality and thinking is, and I've given this a lot of thought. Listen, I, I have an obligation to, to, to share the word of God with you the way that I see it, the way the scriptures reveal it, right? It's, it's, it's up to me to unpack this thing and to share it with you and, and, to, and to let the Holy Spirit work on you and do what he does with that. Um, but this is one of those things that is, a, to me, is a very relevant topic today, uh, the Bible is timeless, and so it always addresses where we are, but this idea of sacrifice being so contradictory to what our, our culture thinks nowadays, to me, is something that's very relevant to the time that we live in and very necessary for the church to be able to teach and exhort and instruct the, the body of Christ on what the Word of God has to say. So let's talk about, first of all, what, what is kind of popular thinking or, or what do we hear a lot? Whenever it comes to uh, the way that we should live, I see it a lot. I hear it a lot. I've even been tricked into thinking this way at times too, where it's like you have this thinking that I have. It's it's all about me making myself happy. I deserve to be happy. It. I, there's nothing else that's more important. Life is too short. I deserve to be happy. I need to be happy. I need to make myself happy. Like I deserve it, right? I'm entitled to that. Like life is too short to be lived. I need to do whatever I have to do to make sure that I am living a happy life. Now, the challenge with that type of thinking, quite frankly, is that it's it's almost completely contradictory to the way that the Bible unpacks sacrificial living and teaches us how we are to live our lives sacrificially outside of ourselves. Sociologists say today that we are, at this point in time, the most self-centered, self-absorbed generation that has ever been. They say it's even evident now, it's, it's very evident in fact, even in kindergarten with young kids self-absorbed, self-centered, it's all about pleasing self, making self happy. Now, it's one of the things that I was thinking about, just to mention this, is you, if you go back in time, however many years, there was the, the civil rights movement, right? And the civil rights movement was, in its core, was, was great, and did a lot to bring equality to people in our nation but a lot of times because we're people we can kind of swing too far in one direction it's real it's just we have a nature a tendency to do that and so this idea of civil rights and and you know i I have rights and I have things that need to not be infringed upon. It was great. And I feel like now it's almost to the point in our nation today where it swung so far that people have this mentality that literally says, like, I am entitled to make myself happy no matter what. Nobody should interfere with that. Government shouldn't interfere with that. Nobody, if I think that something is going to make me happy and it pleases me, then I should be allowed to do it. I should be allowed to think it. I should be allowed to have it. And nobody should have anything to say about that. And that's kind of where the culture has gone. Now, the challenge is is that this can begin to spill over even deeper and become almost like a theology for people. Like, even in the church, guys, even in the church... There are people who who espouse to the theory that this is really what life is all about, about making yourself happy, about pleasing yourself, because you've got to be happy first. That's number one, in order for you to be able to do anything else to make anybody else happy. And it's this idea of pleasing and serving self that that we see that's really kind of running rampant today. So let's do this. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 21. And I've got a couple stories I want to share with you today. Is it getting hot in here a little bit? He was like, man. Don't kill the messenger. All right. (laughs) No, I mean, seriously, this this is challenging stuff for me. Every time the Lord starts dealing with me about sacrifice, I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's so true, though, you know? It's so true. All right, verse 18. Let's start there. Therefore, the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go and erect an altar to the Lord on the, flesh, the threshing floor of Ornon the Jebusite. So David went up at the word of Gad, which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. So Gad was a prophet, a seer, speaking what God told him to say to David. Now Ornon, who owns this, this territory, this area that David is going into, Now Ornan turned and saw the angel, and his four sons who were with him hid themselves, but Ornan continued threshing wheat. So David came to Ornan, and Ornan looked and saw David, and he went out from the threshing floor and bowed down before David with his face on the ground. So Pause just a second. So, Gad comes to David. He's, he's inspired by the word of the Lord to go and tell David that he needs to go to this area. He needs to buy this threshing floor and he needs to create an altar in this land. So, David's traveling to this, this place that Ornon, this guy, lives, and he's there with his four sons. They're doing their work, and he sees David approaching. He comes out and he falls and he begins to just honor David as the king, right? And so, as he falls to his face to the ground, verse 22. Then David said to Ornon, "'Grant me the place of this threshing floor "'that I may build an altar on it to the Lord. "'You shall grant it to me at the full price "'that the plague may be withdrawn from the people.' "'But Ornon said to David, "'Take it for yourself "'and let my lord the king do what is good in his eyes.' Look, I also give you the oxen for burnt offerings, the threshing implements for wood, and the wheat for the grain offering. I give it all to you. Just take it. It's yours. Have it. Then King David said to Ornon, No, but I will surely buy it for the full price, for I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings with that which costs me nothing. Wow. So David comes and he has a chance to just get this whole thing for free. Ornan's like, hey, just take it. You're the king. Like, I honor you. This is yours. It's a privilege to give it to you and bless you with it. I know you want it, and I know you need this, so you can just have it. Not not even the land. I'm going to give you everything that you need with it. I'm going to give you the oxen to sacrifice. I'm going to give you the wood. I'm going to give you everything you need to build the altar. Just take it. It's all yours. So David literally has the chance to just receive everything that he came here to get for free, right? But David responds and says, No. He says, no way. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take it for free. I will not sacrifice anything to my God, which has cost me nothing first off. Because David understands something. He understands that in order for a sacrifice to be a real sacrifice, it really has to cost us something first to begin with. If it doesn't cost us anything, by definition of what sacrifice is, it's not even really truly a sacrifice. Now, in today's world, you know we know that there's uh, this idea of consumerism is is kind of everywhere. And guys, I'm not bashing on everything here. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you today to just hopefully like maybe open our eyes a little bit to some things. But you know, consumerism is a big deal, and 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 consumerism is. It's like you're making purchases, you're making decisions, and it's all about getting the best value for the least amount of money. Right? We're trained to think that way. You go to buy a car, what do you want? You want as many things as you can get with that car, and you want to spend as little amount of money as you possibly have to spend. You want to like get the upper hand, you want to get the greatest value. If you're going on a trip or you're going to go out on a, for a night on the town, it's it's all about what is the greatest value for me at the least amount that I have to give up. Now, I'm not saying that we don't behave that way and, and, and steward our finances. I mean, there's certain things that make sense, but what I'm saying is, is that mentality is so vast and it's so broad in our country today that it literally, guys, is pervading people's spiritual lives as well. People are making decisions constantly about churches, about places that they're going to go to worship, about things that they would give to, all about, I want to know what the absolute best thing for me possibly is. It's, I want to make sure I, I want to like the pastor, I want to like this, I want to like that, everything's got to fit, and okay, if everything falls in place, and it's all going to benefit me, I'm going to get the most amount of value that I can, okay, then I'm going to make a decision to move forward, and, and the challenge is, is that in our spiritual walk, in our relationship with God, and the things that he's called us to do to live out our lives, that is simply completely contradictory to the way that Jesus lived. And how many know the way that Jesus lived is the ultimate model for the way that we should live and walk out our lives as well? He says, David refused to offer anything or to get anything that doesn't first cost him something significantly. And, and there's a lot of things that we, that we can sacrifice by this definition of, of giving to the Lord. We can sacrifice our time, our talents, our treasures, our praises, our worship. It, it, it's about giving of ourselves in all of these areas of who we are and what God has given to us In such a way where we're giving to the point where it's costing us and we're feeling it and then we can appropriately call that thing, hello, a sacrifice. Are you with me? Think about what the Bible says about different parts of our lives. It says that we are to offer our bodies up as living sacrifices. Paul says that in the book of Romans. Our physical bodies are to be lived as sacrifice. That's why things like sexual purity and things of that nature are so important. There's things that we're denying of our flesh, right? And we're sacrificing things that would please us, but we're, we're, our bodies are to be sacrifices. It also says in another place, it says that we're, uh, Peter says, he says to offer up spiritual sacrifices to the Lord. Spiritual in our praise, in our worship, in our time with God, in our prayers, and all the things that we do there. So if you look at this, really, guys, physical, spiritual, the whole man is called to live sacrificially in his life right it's it's there it's in scripture that's the way that we're to present ourselves now David I I find this very interesting that David is kind of at the end of his life when this is happening this is it. Like toward the end, some of his final things that he's doing, he's actually going to buy this threshing floor in this land. This is eventually going to be the location that his son Solomon comes and builds the famous temple that was the temple of Solomon that everybody uh, that we all know from the scriptures, right? So, so, uh, so David, he he's at the end of his life, and I feel like he's almost saying it, he's like. Saying to, to Ornan, he's like, look, I know I can get this thing for free, but listen, I've lived a long time. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've seen a lot of things. I've, I've done a lot of things. One thing that I've learned over the years, right, because he's older. He's in wisdom here. He's saying, one thing that I've learned is that I am not going to sacrifice anything to the Lord, which costs me nothing. And I think that's a powerful message for us To hear and to see that King David, in the end of his life, whenever he was grown and developed in his maturity, as much as he had lived these years with God, is saying, no, this is absolutely never, ever going to be something that I would do, would be sacrificed to God, something which cost me nothing. Now, I want to contrast for you this story in Chronicles to uh, Malachi, go to Malachi chapter 1 verses 6 through 10. So think about what David's posture is. Think about what his heart is and the way he's wanting to give and, and sacrifice to the point where it cost him greatly. Think about that. And now listen to what is happening in the book of Malachi, chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. God is speaking to the people of Israel and it's, he's speaking to them about the way that they're sacrificing. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts. To you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while this is being done by your hands. Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. So we know from Old Testament laws that there were sacrifices and rituals that the people were called to do, and they were to bring the best of what they had when they were to sacrifice. And God is admonishing them in this situation because what they've actually been doing is they've been bringing sacrifices that are worthless and present no value and cost them nothing whenever they've sacrificed them. He's saying what they're doing is they're, they're bringing bad food food that's sat a while, food that's spoiling or it's about ready to go bad, and they've kind of kept the good stuff. They're bringing the lame animals, the ones that are injured or maybe disfigured. They're bringing some of the blind animals. They're bringing all of these different things, these sacrifices to God that cost them absolutely nothing, and God is saying, I will, ex- I will not accept this. This isn't costing you anything. You're not... Understanding what the idea of sacrifice means It means to give to the point that you feel it You give to the point that you're actually There's a sacrificial part of what's happening in you that you're feeling Because there's a spiritual maturity A spiritual growth and development That's happening in us When we're experiencing internally What sacrifice is all about when we present it to God does that make sense? And God understands, right? We know that he knows what we need better than we do. And so when he's, he wouldn't have us go through this process if it weren't for our benefit and for us to become the people that he's called us to be. He understands that it's good. Listen, we give of a sacrifice because we value what we're sacrificing. Can I tell you something? God values it too, He values what you're sacrificing as well. He gave it to you. He's the creator of everything, so he certainly values whatever resources he's blessed you with, time, treasure, talent, ability, and so on, so it means more to God, actually, than it really even means to us. And he's asking for us to do what? To lay it down and give of ourselves in a way where it's actually costing us something because he knows that that's what we need. It's hard, though, guys. It's hard to do. It's very difficult sometimes if we try to do this in our own flesh, in our own strength, because it's something that we're incapable of doing. See, love has to be what compels sacrifice. If you think about this, love compels us to sacrifice the way that Jesus loved, but the flesh actually compels us towards self-centeredness. So to think, and this is, this is the beautiful part, like this is the part where I say, thank God that this is, this is how it is, that there's no way that any of us could go and live the kind of sacrificial life that God's calling us to live if we're trying to do it in our own strength, But if we get a revelation of the sacrificial love that God has for us, the sacrifice that he bore for us, for our sins, then that love, guys, is what compels us and what drives us to be able to live sacrificially the way that God is calling us to. But can I tell you something? That if you ever try to do it in your own strength, in your own willpower, your own self-discipline, you will ultimately fail. Some of us will last a little longer than others most likely. But ultimately what's going to happen is that you're either going to end up not being able to sustain that, and you're going to just give up, and you'll either justify it or just turn away from it, or we will end up feeling so much guilt and condemnation that we begin to just be weighed down by that thing, and that suppresses us from walking into the things that God has for us. We can't do it on our own. We have to live sacrificially out of a love that compels us to live that way. So I urge you, don't, Don't try to go out and say, gosh, he's right. I need to sacrifice more. I need to give more. I need to do more. Oh, my gosh. If you're already feeling the weight of that, then that's a good sign that you're probably already outside the path of how this thing's supposed to be walked out. Because you walk in perfect peace when you walk with a holy God. And there should be a peace and a rest to this way of living sacrificially. I urge you, don't, don't try to do it on your own. Simply Endeavor to seek, as we said this morning in the beginning, pursue, get to know, get lost in a relationship, a love relationship with Jesus, and let him just compel you with everything that he is to live the way that he lived, because as we walk with him, devoted to him, the Bible says that we become more and more in his image or likeness. You see, living sacrificially is reflecting the character of Jesus. And we can't reflect the character of Jesus if His love isn't changing us, transforming us, and compelling us to live that way to begin with. Does that make sense? Here's the irony. Here's the irony. Remember when I started off in the beginning and I said, Is this pervading mindset in our culture? It's like, make myself happy. I deserve to be happy, right? <laughs> This is the irony. The walk with Christ is complete joy. It is complete happiness, fullness, and fulfillment. It is a greater joy. It is a greater happy than you could ever know if you tried to make yourself happy. The difference is, guys, what are you leading off with? What is your pursuing motive? If the pursuit is to make self happy, then you will always have this dysfunction about the way your happiness is being lived out. There will always be something absent or void or lacking because it's incomplete. It's not consistent with the way you were created to walk and to live. But if you are seeking to serve Jesus and to know him and he's changing you and his love is motivating you and you begin to live more like he lived and your life looks more like his life looked, and as a result, you find yourself walking in this place of perfect peace and joy and happiness and your gifts are being used to the fullness and you're flourishing in your life and the impact that you're making on this world. Amen? Isn't that powerful? Listen to this, in, in, in Corinthians, Paul told a story, I'm not going to put it up there, I'm just going to, Paul told this story uh, in his letter to the Corinthians, he was talking about the saints in Macedonia, and he said that the saints in Macedonia were going through a time of intense affliction and oppression. They were being ransacked by the Romans, they were just being pillaged, plundered, I mean they were just being totally taken over and everything that they had, despair, Economically. But Paul says, even in their affliction, he says that they're actually giving, not just sparingly, but they're actually giving even beyond what their ability to give actually is. Now, this is just like wrecked me, <laughs> honestly. This one, it just, this will just ruin you here, all right? Because what he's saying is that what most of us do. Is that we give, we sacrifice out of our abundance, out of our extra, out of our leftover. And we most certainly, the flesh wants to sacrifice never in times of affliction or difficulty or attack. Is this human nature to conserve, to protect, to preserve? But see how many know human nature is not the nature of God. We have a holy nature in us that says, no, we want to suppress the flesh. We want the flesh to yield to the way the Spirit is calling us to yield, right? And he's saying, no, that in times of affliction that we are still to live sacrificially. He's saying what is reasonably they were reasonably able, if you did the math, to give and to, and to offer. They're giving even beyond that. And he says in doing so, they haven't lost their joy whatsoever. They're full in their joy in everything that they're walking in. Wow! What a picture for us, guys, of when we begin to live sacrificially Right, And we begin to give beyond what we think in our mind or our human nature we're capable. And we give beyond that because that's where sacrifice really is. And to see what we actually step into when we do that. Their joy was untouched. It was untampered. And they never went without the necessary provisions and resources and things that they needed to continue to walk in the plan that God had for them in their lives. Hallelujah. Think about this, Jesus said in John chapter 10, he said, I've come so that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly, abundance, abundant life. Hmm. That sounds different. That sounds kind of opposite, Pastor, of this sacrifice thing you're talking about. I beg to differ. Did you know that the abundance that Jesus is talking about here, and it's not just monetary, it's all-encompassing. It's spiritually, monetarily, relationally, your gifts, everything, right? An abundant life. The abundance that Jesus is talking about, guys, is actually found in sacrifice. Wow. As we live sacrificially the way that Jesus lived, we actually step into the life of abundance that he himself purchased with his own sacrifice. Is that powerful or what? I don't know about you, but when I step back and I think about that, I think about the price that Jesus paid for me, the ultimate price. There is no greater sacrifice that could be made. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his brother. He did it for every single one of us. The sacrifice that he bore, guys, was so we could actually walk and live in an abundant kind of life that we could never know apart from that. That is unbelievable. That there is is a, a... An impact, a destiny, a purpose that we're all called to. And make no mistake, it is a flourishing, expansive, broad purpose and destiny that's impacting the world beyond what we could ever imagine. But that type of reach is is actually found through living sacrificially. Did you know that living self-centered, selfish, how things please me... It's the most limiting and smallest form of thinking and living that we can do. Do you know that? Think about it. Think of everything that happens outside of yourself. It's a gulf. I mean, it's massive, right? But if we're living only in terms of how it's all about right in here in this little space, it's the most limiting type of thinking and living that we can possibly do. We have to be living and thinking beyond what it is. It's all about our pleasure or making us happy and how we can lay our lives down and live sacrificially so that God's will can be performed in and through us. And ultimately, we find complete abundance. Now, I want to tell you this. I'm going to end with this. So Paul says to Timothy a few interesting things. He says... In 2 Timothy chapters 3 and 4, he's talking about the end days, the last times. And he says in the end days that men will become lovers of themselves and lovers of pleasure as opposed to lovers of God. Wow. Caution. Heed the word of the Lord, right? Right? in the end days, that there will be this widespread mentality, this pervading thought and culture that will be accepted and seen as, oh yeah, that's right, that's exactly what we're supposed to do. It'll be a sweeping, very influential kind of thinking. But, but in the heart of it, if you look, what you can see is that men will become lovers of themselves and lovers of pleasure as opposed to lovers of God. And then he even says later, he says that, that they will find teachers for themselves, that will heap up teachers for themselves, that can satisfy their itching ears to tell them what it is that they want to hear. That There will be, I hate to say it this way, but churches, there will be religious institutions that will condone this kind of thinking, and it will become acceptable theology in people's lives. And they will think, this is, yeah, this is good. This is right. Please, self, make self happy. That's what matters. It's all about me. And it seems crazy, but it will seem so normal. The Bible says in the end days that what is, seems what what is good will be wrong, and what is wrong will be right. There will be this confusion about the whole thing, and I feel with everything in me that God... He challenged me to bring this message today to our church, to speak to us and share this with us, to say, listen, it's, it's happening. It's actually happening. We can't be duped. We can't be deceived in this thing. We're, we're not called to make ourselves happy. Uh-uh. No, we're called to live a life of sacrifice. And in doing so, we'll find abundance. The greatest fruit is birthed through sacri- the branches of sacrifice. The most luscious fruit that can be produced out of our lives, guys, is birth through the branches of sacrificial living. This goes against everything in my natural man. I don't know about you, but I, I can be a pretty selfish person sometimes. I can be pretty self-centered. You know, I love to help people. I love to do whatever I can to help people, but I got this thing where I, I kind of like to do it my way. You know, like on my agenda and my own time scale, like if something rocks the ship and rocks the boat, that can really throw me off. But there's a lot of things that I've learned over the years that God is doing through those interruptions. And I think what he's saying to me, he's saying, I know where you're weak. I know where you need to really be dealt with on this thing. You have a hard time sacrificing your time. You have a hard time being interrupted thrown off from the things that you feel like you need to be doing in order to recognize and see opportunities that I'm bringing your way. And it happens, and he's dealt with me on this, and he continues to deal with me on this. Thank God, I'm, I'm thankful for that. But it's hard, it's tough, it's difficult, because change is not easy, right? There's like that friction that's happening inside whenever we're going through that process. But God knows what we need. I don't know what your area is, I don't know what your thing is, but I pro- I know this, there are definitely things in all of our lives where we're probably holding back. And this was the crux, guys, of what the parable about the rich young ruler was all about, actually I'm sorry it wasn't a parable, that was the crux of this story, the rich young ruler was seeking Jesus, right? You get that? He was actually going after God. He was pursuing Jesus. He was saying, what do I need to do to follow you, Master? What do I need to do to walk with you? He wanted it. He, he, There was a part of him that wanted to go in that direction. What did Jesus say? Sell everything you have. Get rid of all of it and then follow me. The nameless man went away sad for he had many possessions. When we seek If you want to follow Jesus And I believe you do I know we do He is going to address Areas in our lives Where we may be holding back From living sacrificially That's what the whole deal was about All the possessions This guy was holding back in that area He loved his possessions He was willing to sacrifice a lot of other things But this part He wasn't quite willing to do And so Jesus dealt with that in him And as we seek God and we say we want to pursue Jesus, we want to live the life he has for us, as we do, just know, Jesus will challenge you. He will address the things in you and your life, whatever it is, where he says, you haven't really fully let go of this thing. You haven't really fully laid this down. That the beautiful thing that I found is when we reach the end of ourselves in these places. We reach the point where first the word convicts and then we we lay it down and then Jesus takes over. It's like almost at these moments, guys, when we say, all right, fine, Lord, take it. It's yours, you can have it. Cheers, you can have it. Yes, yes, you can have it. I don't even care anymore. God, you can have it because it's for you. It's all for you anyway. It was all it's all about you anyway. Everything in my life is about you. Have it. Take it. When we do that, it's like God says, okay, now let's get to work. And his hand, I've had so many things in my life where it's like terminal tension, can't seem to move forward. And finally, it's like I throw my hands up and we say, God, take it. It's yours. I give it up. You can have it. I'll lay it down for you. I'll just get, it's over. I'll give it up for you. And then all of a sudden, he's like, finally, (laughs) you stubborn man. woman. Uh, It was really her. It was, yeah, like, anyway. You stubborn man. That's all I was, that's all I was trying to get you to the point of anyway. Stand on your feet with me today. (laughs) I pray that we, we get a revelation today. From from this word, from what we see about sacrifice that we learned from David, if we're going to live our lives for God, time, talent, treasure, everything that he's blessed us with anyway, every breath you take is because of him. We're going to live that life that we live in in a way where we say, I'm not afraid to serve God and to give of myself whatever way he calls me to to the point it's really costing me something and to know that in that sacrificial life the greatest abundance that you could ever imagine or hope to live for beyond anything that you could naturally attain or achieve in your own strength it lies waiting for you it's there jesus paid the price for it he bought it already it's done paid in full he wants to give it to you but he wants to change you from the inside out along the way hallelujah bow your head with me father I just thank you so much God I ask that you would just speak to people now I ask that you would just deal with hearts God that you would just challenge us provoke us in areas all of us that we're just here kind of open God on your operating table each and every one of us right now and saying just deal with us God we just we want to be used by you we want to live for you Look into the inner depths of our our spirit, our soul, God, and, and begin to reveal things to us where we know we're not living this way, the way you've called us to live. Help deal with us, God, and most importantly, as we draw close to you, draw close to us. Help us to continue to just become more and more in love with you, God, in this great relationship. It's a love relationship that love may compel us to sacrifice. If any of you are here today, while well, every head is still bowed and every eye closed, and you say, Pastor, I've never I've never really accepted Jesus before as my Lord and Savior. I've never really uh, accepted it, that he made this sacrifice of dying for me and for my sins. Or maybe you have made that decision in the past, but you've just really walked away from walking with God and and you've been doing everything on your own and you want to come back to this place, if either of those situations explain where you're at right now, I would just urge you to open your heart to him say, Jesus, come and begin to live on the inside of me. Holy Spirit, do a work in me. Tell him and let him know that you, you want to turn away from your old life and you want to turn to him, that you trust and you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that there's no other God that you want to serve and that you want him to make you into the the person that he's created you to be. And if you pray that prayer in faith, believing and knowing that God is who he says he was and Jesus is who he says he was, that he will make you a new creature, a new creation in Christ. And you will be what the Bible says is born again. You will live eternally in heaven with him. And he will begin to work in your life every day that you allow him to from this point forward to become the person he's created you to be. In Jesus' name, because that's where the authority comes, we pray. Amen.